15% or more on car insurance. Mahindra. Find your nearest Mahindra dealer at TexasMahindraDealers.com. And by SWBC Mortgage. You support your team. We support your family, your business. We support you. Now your hosts, Mickey Spagnola and Bill Jones. Not so fast. <laughs> Welcome to the Dallas Cowboys Legends Radio Show. And for better or worse, I'm Shannon Gross, and you're stuck with me for at least an hour. And you're not Bill Jones. And I am not Bill Jones, so we'll see how this goes. But I'm still Mickey Spagnola. He's still Mickey, and fortunately for me, I get to hang out with not only one legend tonight in Mickey Spagnola. Oh, okay, okay. But also another legend. Welcome to the show, Alvin Harper. How you doing, Alvin? I'm doing good. Man, good to see you. Thanks for joining us tonight. This is going to be great. I, I hope so. I hadn't seen this one here in about, about 20 years. Yeah? It's, it's been quite a while, right? I think the last time I saw you, you were still masquerading as a golf pro or something, assistant golf pro. Well, that, that, that was a long time that ago. Was, see, it was now, a long time ago, Now, now i got to get both hips replaced and a back. Oh, no. Replaced so, so I can swing the golf club like I can. Has Mickey gotten any taller since last time you saw him? He's shrinking, isn't he? About an inch shorter, but it doesn't look like he's aging, though. See there? And tell him what, what you said when I called you, and I kind of said, Elvin Harper, and you go, what did you say? I recognize that voice. i never forget that voice. <laughs> so how have things been going? Tell us, fill us in a little bit about what's been going on since uh, last you saw Mickey. Oh. Um, one time I was a football coach. Okay. I coached over in NFL Europe for two years. Did you really? Yeah. Which which team? Uh, Ryan Fire over okay. in Dusseldorf. Uh huh. And then I was the offensive coordinator over at Howard University in Washington D.C. Washington D.C. Yeah. And uh, after I did that, it was then I did the golf pro thing, and then uh, the hips and back started bothering me. So uh, then I just stay at home now and watch the kids grow up and and live life. How many kids you have? I have two. Two. Have a daughter and a son. They, 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 if I do my math right, they're probably getting a little older, right? Not old enough yet. Because Not they, old enough yet? <laughs> especially, especially the daughter. You know, she thinks she's still young. Uh-huh. So, but uh, my daughter's uh, 23 and my son's 21. Oh. So she graduated from college uh, a couple years ago, and he's still in college right now. Where do they go? Uh, she went to uh, North Carolina A&T University. Yeah. And my son is down at Bethune-Cookman University in uh, Daytona. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, a, he's trying to be a wide receiver. Trying to be? Nah, nah. He's <laughs> Aren't you coaching him up? <laughs> yeah, I, co- I coached him up really well. So now, now, now the college coaches have him now. So my, I, my job is kind of done. So I catch him in the summertime and do a little things with him. But uh, he's, he's doing well. He's, he's doing pretty good. He's, uh, he's about 5'11", 180 pounds. Uh, he's faster than me. Oh, I can't believe that. <laughs> Yes, he's faster than me. Is he as big as you? No, he's not as big as me. He's about 180, 5'11". Five, only 5'11". Five, yeah. He got his mom height. Ah. <laughs> so before we get too far into the down the football road, back up a little bit and talk to me about this golf pro thing. How, how did you get that good at golf? Um, I but, met some guys down in Tampa when I went and did that little Tampa Bay Buccaneer little deal. Yeah. <laughs> Two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a mistake. But uh, <laughs> and um, this one guy uh, kept uh, trying to do the. It's called a PAT, playability test, mm-hmm. and uh, he could never pass it. And he did it like 15 times. So I was like, man, I can go out there and pass that test. And um, I went out and played. 
I missed it by one shot the first time. So, of course, I had to go do it again. So I did it again, and I passed it. And then they said, man, if you, uh, you're a golf pro, you get to play free golf anywhere in the United States. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I'm in. So I, so I went out, passed it, and um, then you had to do like 40 hours a week at a pro shop. And that's when it, you know, really hit me. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think I want to do that. 40 hours a week, like <laughs> teaching, working? working teaching, working, picking up range cash balls. register. Register. You had to learn the whole business. Okay. You had to learn everything from outside to the inside to the pro shop. So it was everything. So and um, I was like, man, I go from retired NFL player to, to working work in a golf shop. They can, say, they can say, man, he spent all his money, man. He's broke. <laughs> <laughs> Your golf game got better, maybe. Yeah, it got it got pretty good. I, I got down to a, you know a scratch golfer. That, that's pretty cool. So the coaching thing, did you like it? Not like it? What position? You do it wide receivers or what? I coach wide receivers. I, I loved it. Uh -huh. I loved it. It was great. Uh, I enjoyed because I learned a lot from the coaching side, and uh, you know coaching the guys and, and really getting involved and watching a guy from his freshman year to his sophomore year to his junior year to. You know, when he when he couldn't come out of a break, and now in his junior year he's coming out of the break looking like Kmart or somebody like that, uh, and it was just it was just fulfilling. And then it got to the point where uh, the guy started becoming a little bit don't want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you 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 know, and and tested your patience. Oh my God, telling me what to do and like, dude, you're playing at Howard University. You know, they're gonna draft someone from you know, Ohio State or Tennessee before they draft you. So, you know, and the guy's like, um, what's, what do I need to do to get in the pros? Like, get your education first because you're third team here at Howard University. You know. <laughs> third team? <laughs> yes. So, and then it just, it just became, you know, guys, was, they, they, they wanted stuff instantly. They didn't want to work for it. You know, and I, and I told them every day, I was like, man, I played with feasibly 15 Hall of Famers from the Cowboys to the Buccaneers. And, you know, myself, Michael Irvin, Troy, Emmett, Kmart, we all got to practice 15 minutes early. We stayed after practice 30, 40 minutes after practice, worked on things. And I was like, if we can do it and if those guys can do it, a player from Howard University should be able to do it all day long with no problem. No questions asked. So they started questioning stuff. And, you know, how you got to be really smart to get in Howard University. Uh -huh. So these are kids that made. Which is like, outside Washington, D.C., in case yeah. anybody's not familiar. And it's like um, these kids got uh, like 29 and 28 on the ACTs. And the SATs, they got to be like crazy high. And, you know, they're very smart kids, but no common sense. <laughs> so, boy, you sound like a parent. <laughs> I just, it's just, it's just, it's just the basic math. They, they didn't want an instant credibility when they don't want to work for it. And uh, I'm like, dude, if you stay after, if you stay after practice and work on the things that I'm teaching you, I guarantee you would be better. Because when I got to the University of Tennessee, my freshman year, I was in the back of the line and I looked up front and I first thing I said, I said, well, I better get my education because. I'm you, not going to play you here. You were way in the back of the I line. Was way in the back, I was, I'm not going to play here. You got guys that was running four twos and four threes and guys that just came from Olympic gold medals. Anybody we'd recognize that you remember that was at the front of the line? Yeah, Willie Galt, Sam uh, Grady. That was going to be my first guest, <laughs> Willie Galt. Yeah. So I'm looking at these guys, and I'm like, man, I ain't going to never play here. I better get this education. 
go get me a good job, get a family, and just move on. And I worked. I worked. Me and my roommate, Anthony Miller, that played yeah. for the Chargers. Right. That was my roommate my freshman year. So after practice, we went over all the drills that the coach taught us, All did them all over again after practice. I did that every day from my freshman year to my senior year. And then when I became a junior and I started playing, I was like, oh, I'm kind of better than the guy that was in front of me yeah. <laughs> my freshman year. So, you know, you just got to work. You know, and the, these kids nowadays don't want to put in the work. You know, they, they, they just want to say, okay, I'm here. No, you got, you got to work. If, you don't, if you're not going to work, you're not going to get better. Let me ask you that. That's, it seems like whenever I was growing up, a lot of the guys that I played with, you know, never played on a, a high level, but summer league and things like that. There were guys that had the talent that didn't have to work, but then there were guys that were just okay and they were just as good as everybody else. And they did what you said. They worked. They were always practicing, always throwing the ball, always in the yard with their dad. What is it just repetition and, and extended hours past practicing and early practice and things like that? Or is there something else that kind of put you that had you had an extra gear? Well, I had that extra gear in high school, you know, growing up down in Frostproof, Florida, mm. where, um, you know, I watched my mom and dad get up every morning, you know, and we were living off of uh, probably about $35,000 between the both of them on salary, and my dad picking oranges every day and coming home all dirty and sweaty. So I, w I learned that hard work ethic, you know, through them, and mom was a prison guard for 33 years. Really? Yeah, yeah. So she, you know, she's come home with that 38 on waist. And <laughs> you had to be, you had to be straight growing up, huh? Oh, you had to be straight. And then, you know, I, my mom had 17 brothers and sisters, and they all pick oranges for a living, you know, and watching that and, and seeing, seeing that every day, you know, that gives you a mindset that said, you know, I want to I work hard. I don't want to pick oranges, you know. I had three brothers that got scholarships to play football and basketball in college. So I didn't want to be the one didn't do that. And they all graduated and they all got their degrees, and I didn't want to be the one that didn't do that. So I just had that extra motivation, you know, when the other guys go out there and they were smoking weed and drinking. I was home. I was running through those orange groves. You know, I got guys that when I go home now, they say, man, I remember you used to be <laughs> up and down the orange roads running, man. So give and me an idea where Frostproof is. It's in the smack dab middle of Florida. Okay. You got Orlando, and then you got about 45 miles south of Orlando. Okay. Frostproof as so the orange groves would, would, would live, right? No frost? That's what happened. They had a, a huge frost back in the day when the Indians were there, and it, and it, it was the only area in the state of Florida that didn't frost over. Oh, really? Yes. That's a good and story. And I can relate. I picked peaches one summer in, in Louisiana, Ruston, Louisiana, and I can relate because it, it was about 110 by noon. And if you've ever thought you didn't want to do something, go, go pick some kind of produce for, for about a summer, and you'll realize real quick this, this is not the route to go. And so especially with the peaches, did you, have to the put, fuzz. did you have to put the socks on up on your arm for the fuzz? We were, we, we were, we <laughs> were old socks off and put them We were hard-headed, though, and we were like, we're going to be men. You know, we're 18-year-old boys. Oh, no, we're no, we're no, going to no. be men, and every day we'd just be, you know, just You guys are alive. making me feel like I'm around my mother when I heard how they used to pick. They go to the onion fields and pick onions. Yeah. And they would tell the story of their youngest uh, sibling, my uncle, he was was the only boy in the family and he went one day and he goes no nah, i ain't doing this <laughs> right. all the girls were doing it right you come home smelling and everything i didn't have to pick onions yeah I know. so that's how right. did you get to tennessee and we're going to get to his football career with the cowboys here but he's got some interesting lead-up stuff i got to tennessee um 
Every school in America offered me a scholarship except University of Florida. Really? Yes. And growing up, going to the Florida games every Saturday because I had a couple of guys from my high school team that were playing. You know, I went there every Saturday. I want to play in the swamp. I want to play in the swamp. They didn't have to recruit you. You would have gone. I was first thing smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so give them hell, pale. Charlie Pale was yeah, the head coach. Yeah. So they came down, and guess what they told me? They said, you are too slow to play I, at Florida. I had a feeling that was uh. coming. So I said, okay, that's fine. I said, so Miami, Jimmy Johnson was a coach at the time, offered me a scholarship. Florida State offered me a scholarship. Notre Dame, I mean, USC, UCLA. And, and I'm still begging them. Now, I'm begging them. They're in my living room. They said, no, we, we, we got some little midgets. You know, back then, it was the midget era. You know, those little five, little nine, small. five, eight yeah, receivers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, – I said, fine. I said, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going somewhere so I can play, play you guys. Come back and beat <laughs> you. So we can beat the brakes off you. So, so they finally, so we had a chance to play Florida in, uh, in Nayland Stadium my uh, senior year when uh, first game for, uh, what's his name, um, the ball coach. Oh, uh, that was his first year at Florida. Uh, uh, Spurrier. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So that was his first. That was his first year. We beat him forty-five to seven. <laughs> so how did someone from Frostproof, Florida, because it doesn't sound like the high school there would be very big, get national recognition from all these colleges? Forty-four, my forty-four people, my senior year graduating class. Wow, that's it. Yeah. Did you have? Did, did you have, have enough to play football? That's what oh, I was going to ask you. Hey, we had enough to play football. Yeah. <laughs> We had enough to do that. <laughs> no, we were we were known for football. We had um, you know, we, we believe it or not, coming out of that small town from the seventies, we had guys like my uncle, his classmate, and another classmate. Um, I don't know when did you start covering the Cowboys? I started in eighty four. Okay, uh, another kid from my uh, my uncle's classmate, John Luter, he came here and tried out. He was a track guy. He went to Auburn out of high school. My uncle went to Florida State, and we had another guy to go to University of Georgia. So long story short, we had a bunch of people go Division One from that town, and then, um, and I, like I said, I had my three brothers that go play uh, Division One basketball and football, and then I was a seven-two high jumper in high school, so that's why I got a lot of. Ah, so you were too slow, but you when you got to Tennessee, you were running track. If I read this right, and you were anchoring the relays, the four, the four by one hundred, and yeah. then I ran the four by four hundred, the quarter. I did those two. So who, t <laughs> who timed you? <laughs> if you could do that, and, and by the way, he won the SEC high jump one year, seven two and a half. Is that what I saw? Yeah, seven two and a half. But my personal best was seven five. Really? Seven wow. five at Tennessee. Olympics? What happened? Oh no! Hey, hey listen. When you when you're at University of Tennessee playing up under Johnny Majors, yeah, it's football, football first. Football first. <laughs> football first. Well, <laughs> one of the things we have to do first is hit this break, right? We do have to take a break, and then I'm on a show on DallasCowboys.com with your old teammate Nate Newton. Oh, big Nate! He, he went to school with my brothers. Did he really? Yeah, yes. Florida A&M. Florida A&M. Yep. Okay. Well, he had a question. He actually had a couple of questions, but I can't ask most of them. But there's one question that I can't ask. And when we come back from the break, we'll get to that. So this is the Dallas Cowboys Legends radio show brought to you by SWBC Mortgage. We'll be right back.
Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. At the 21st down, Aikman is going to throw. Deep slant. Caught. 35. Harper's breaking away. Harper's got midfield. Harper's got the 30. Harper's got the 20. Harper's got the 10-yard line before he's run down out of bounds at the 9. Wow. We're back. Dallas Cowboys Legends Radio Show presented by SWBC Mortgage. We're here at Cowboys Club at the Star with two legends, Mickey Spagnola and Alvin Harper. And what did we just hear, And Mickey? by the way, it was Alvin Harper catching the pass, right? <laughs> so I will let you take us through the play, but I'll set it up. That was the NFC title game in 1992. The Cowboys are at San Francisco. Uh... The score is 24-20. San Francisco just cut into the Cowboys' lead. Uh, there was 4:22 left in the game. The Cowboys are first and 10 at the at their own 20-yard line, and everybody's talking, Elvin, about well, should they run the ball, kind of run the clock out, and try to win it, uh, or do you, do you, what do you want me to do? And evidently, Norv Turner asked Jimmy, "What do you want to do?" And he goes, "I want to score." So score. I'll let you take it from there when you went into the huddle. Yeah, uh, actually, you know, we got to play in late. And that's why uh, Mr. Number 88 was already on the side that I line up in the huddle. And then once I heard the first couple of numbers, I know I just take off to the right-hand side because it was, it was the right formation. And uh, I had caught that pass like four times that game. It was a curl route. And then Mike heard it, and he just took <laughs> off. Because <laughs> he wanted the curl route. He wanted right? to catch the ball. So, I, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, I, I got to go run the eight route, you know, the bang eight. So I go, and, I, and I'm sitting there, and Troy's calling the cadence, and I'm looking. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're they rolling coverage. And, you know, they rolled over to Michael. They put a guy on top of Michael. And once they started rolling, I said, man, it's going to be man-to-man. I just got to get across this guy's face, you know, on that eight route. Once you cross the face, you know, number eight, you know what he's going to do with it. He's going to put it right there in your chest. And, you know, next is history. Yeah, they, they ended up, uh, I was listening to Troy Aikman talk about it, they ended up blitzing on the play. And so uh, when he saw the blitz, it was like, all right, that curl route, I don't need that curl right. <laughs> I'm going to the post to the left and uh, hits him at about the 35-yard line. And I believe it was Don Griffin was the cornerback covering you. And he slipped, right? Kind of left them in your in your wake. I you know I had a lot of concussions. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story Nate wanted me to ask you about. Was was Michael switching? It was supposed to be his route, and he switched with you in the huddle, and that's that's what he wanted me to ask you. Yeah, about, so. you, you know Michael wanted all the passes. Uh-huh. You know, which which I don't blame him. You know, I was telling uh, Charles was like, yeah, uh, what you do? You catch two or three passes a game. I said, yeah, but they were like two or three passes for like 90 yards. And uh, I said, I was, I tell people this, I was fourth in line. They had to give it to Emmett. <laughs> they had to throw it to Michael. They had to give it to Novacek. <laughs> and then poor me and Moose, we were left, we were left there in the, in the, in the back waiting to, fighting for two or three balls a game. So why did you finish it? You got tackled at the, what, nine-yard line? See, what people don't understand, it was probably best that I got tackled because if I would have scored, they had ton of time left, and you know number eight on the other side. Right. You see what he was doing the, that whole game. Because there would have still been four minutes to go in the right. game, right? And, and they, every time they got the ball, they, they, they moved the ball very well on our defense that day. And if 
if I would have scored, they would have got, got the ball back, and they, ain't no telling what could have happened. They could probably score, got an onside kick. So it was best that I got, I got caught and tackled, and then Kmart finished the deal for me. Kmart ended up scoring the touchdown. Did, you, you guys went for it, didn't you? Was it four? You were, it was about a two- or three-yard catch for yeah, Kmart? It was, it was like two- or three-yard catch. Because I think Jimmy decided instead of kicking a field goal, he wanted the touchdown, if right. I remember. Yes, and uh, luckily we're not playing under – today's rules because they might have they might have got Kmart with his knee down right you're right yeah they couldn't review it they right could, yeah. yeah there was yeah. no replay at that time and then the funny thing was is okay you score a touchdown it was 24 20 so the touchdown should have made it 31 20 right missed the extra point yeah and so now it's 30 20 and San Francisco still got a chance but game ends uh 30 20 and that goes down as one of the great plays in Cowboys history that got them to the uh, Super Bowl. Did you realize at the moment what kind of what took place uh, with that play, or is it kind of sink in later? No, I kind of I kind of felt that um, once I got down there and I got tackled. If, if 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 you ever when you watch it again, I just turn around and threw my hands up on my knees and Novacek is standing there, and I, I to my mind I said, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. I said I said. I'm going to be the first one to go to the Super Bowl from a little bitty old town of, <laughs> of 10,000 of 10, people. They're going to the Super Bowl, and, it's just, it, you know, it's something that you dream about, and, you know, you always think about it. And then, um, you know, we were it's, – it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful thing when you have 52 guys that think the same way and do the same thing, you know, day after day week after week, year after year, that 1991 to 95, that, 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 those seasons when you had guys that worked the same way, no one really cared about, you know, the accolades. We knew Michael Irvin was going to do his deal because that's Mike. But I didn't care about being, you know, the number two guy. I just wanted to win, catch some passes, win Super Bowls, you know, have fun in, in the process. And, you know, we had guys on that team that were, they weren't me guys. You know, we were all together. And, I mean, it's, it's just, as a collective group, I've never been around guys like that in my life. You know, up until, you know, today, now. But it was, it's just a beautiful thing. You know, we all, we all thought the same way. And, I mean, it was like a passion to practice. You know, no one bumped the, bucked the system about practice. You know, even when Jimmy was doing his thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Which I understand what that means, by the way. Yeah, so it, it was, it's, it's, and I don't think you can ever recreate that, those teams that we had in the 90s. Because it, it was, you know, you had, you had a different set of animals back then. You know, today's guys, I think we got too many me guys. You know, you got guys that's concerned about how they look on Instagram how they look on Twitter, and worrying about what they're wearing when they get to the podium. I'm loving this guy. You know, let's <laughs> old school. Yeah, it's old school. Let's, it. I, listen, if you want to look good, win some games. There yeah. you go. I'm Make some plays. I'm glad, you, Danny, we'll get to you in just one second because I want to, real quick while we're on the subject, you just mentioned all those guys in that locker room, and you just went through a list of guys, and we talk to Nate about this on our show all the time. Tell everybody what that, how fun that time was and what that locker room dynamic was like and just being around that group of guys, what that was. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was one of those things that you enjoyed coming to Valley Ranch. You know, um, I made a lot of money in Tampa, 
but I didn't enjoy going to one Buccaneer place mm. because there were only like three guys that had the same mindset as the guys that I left here in Dallas. You know, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, you know, Hardy Nickerson, th those guys. Um, you know, and coming over to Valley Ranch every day, I enjoy coming over there, enjoy coming to, to work, to get better, you know, just being around the guys. When we finished practice at Valley Ranch, not only did we all went to go eat, we all went to go hang out. We all did stuff together. You know, you know, from what I hear now, after practice, they go 52 different directions. Yeah. You know, they, we, you know we went to one another's houses. We, we hung out. We, we, we stayed together. You know, I got your back, you got my back. And, you know, I'm not, as you know, you can, you can vividly remember not one time that you hear any discussions about players talking about one another, players throwing another player under the bus when we played. Because that was, that was a cardinal sin. That's something you just don't do. Because that's your teammate. That's your Dude, we were down in Austin, Texas. <laughs> it's 125 degrees. Now, my rookie year, I wanted to give that signing bonus back. <laughs> now, Come on, you grew up in Florida. It, it, Austin, Texas is different. You know, you got 110 in the morning, 125 in the afternoon. And you got guys that's standing next to you that's grinding with you in that setting. And, you know, you, you know this dude is going to fight for me, and I'm going to fight for him. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I don't, you know, I don't really see that, you know, in today's game. You know, he said they all went out together. Well, yeah. back then when he got there, there was only one place to go, the Cowboys Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got that right. Spent a lot of time there. Yeah. Danny, we got you walking around with the, with the wireless, and I know some people have some questions. Who we got out there? Alvin, tonight's first question comes from Drisco from Frisco. Hey, Alvin. Uh, I got a question for you, and I, I hope I don't steal Mickey's thunder because he probably has this in mind, but you led the league one year with 24.9 yards per catch with 33 catches, which when I did some research is the fifth highest in the history of the NFL, which is amazing. And nobody in this day and time is even getting close, but you were even saying you're the, you weren't the fastest guy on the team. You had another guy, Michael Irvin, that was more popular as far as being uh, everybody's hero and everybody's guy. And I, I saw you play. I was here, and I saw you. And there was something special about you. What, what was different that, you know, that we're not doing now? There's something that, I mean, it wasn't your speed. Uh, was it the leaping ability maybe or, you know, I, I have to kind of disagree with you on that. With uh, I was a world-class sprinter now. Don't forget that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. Yeah. And he could jump high. I got uh, I got a little bit faster, you know, when I when I left Tennessee, and um, I just um, today it's it's hard to put a finger on, um, because it, like, myself and Troy, we threw those go routes after practice. And Troy knew, you know, we, we had a thing. If we're even, we're leaving. And Troy knew once we were e even, he would throw it out there and let me run up under it. He said if the DB was a, about a, a half an inch or a yard in front of me, he was just going to throw it up. And 
he, of course, if he throw it up, I got to go up and get it. So, and I always told Troy when I first got here, never overthrow me. Because if you throw it up in the air, there's nobody in this league going to be able to jump up there with me. And I can guarantee you that. And I guarantee you will not let, I, will, I won't let anybody intercept your ball. So, just throw it up or just throw it out there and I go get it. But I think today, you know, you have to, you have to know your receivers. You have to know who you're throwing to. Like, uh, I'm not throwing Dak up under the bus, but like the other night, I saw him throw a ball out of bounds on a, on a, on a go route. It's like, you should never throw it out of bounds on a go route. You should always give your guy a chance because in practice, in the meeting rooms, you're looking at that guy and you, you're saying, I'm going to give you a chance because you make $5 million a year. I make whatever, whatever. We have to make plays. And that's just not happening. And uh, I don't know if it's the trust factor or he's afraid to throw an interception. But at some point, you have to, you, you have to keep it in bounds to give a guy a chance to make a play on the ball. Let's, let's talk about – let's take a quick break and let's talk about today's game and today's Cowboys when we get back. I want to get your opinion on, on the way the game's changed and kind of what you see the state of the Cowboys in. We'll get uh, Danny to ask some more questions, and we'll be right back. This is the Dallas Cowboys Legends Radio Show brought to you by SWBC Mortgage. We'll be right back. Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Straight drop, no rush, and they are big betting it to the end zone. This will be a prayer up in the air, and it might, be, it's, it might be caught. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. Oh, big bet struck midnight. 34 yards, Alvin Harper in the end zone for the first time as a pro. They went to the high jumper. Oh, it's got to be your day when you hit that play. We are back, and if you didn't know, special guest Alvin Harper. I'll tell you what, Brad Sham sounds just as great today as he did. Voice hasn't yet. changed, has Hasn't it? changed one bit, and neither of you, Mick. You look great. Well, I don't know about that, <laughs> but I was there for that play, and uh, to uh, set the scene up for Alvin, uh, they're at Washington. Uh, basically, if I remember correctly, they're 6-5, and five, and uh, – Jimmy basically told him, you know what, we got to run the table if we're going to get in the playoffs. And they had tried these Hail Mary passes with Troy forever, and Troy hated them because they'd always get intercepted, and it would ruin his quarterback rating, right? <laughs> and so there's only a couple seconds left in the half, uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a tight game, and they, it's like, all right, it's 7-7 actually. And it's like, all right, they call the Hail Mary. And, I, and, and Aikman told the story afterwards. He goes, yeah, I went in the huddle and go, okay, here we go, another interception. And uh, Alvin goes down and take it from there when you when you knew that they were going to uh, – Brad called it the Big Ben, but it was kind of a Hail Mary. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a Hail Mary. Yeah. <laughs> just, just don't let them catch it. Right. You know, that's that's the premise. And, you Did know, Troy he, tell you don't <laughs> let them catch it? <laughs> no, he, he didn't say anything. He he just dropped back and threw it, and I was – and the, amazingly, when I got down there, I just turned around. Uh, it wasn't really anybody really around me. You know, they were there, but they weren't, like, next to me. And then when I saw it, I was like, man, just go up high as you can go and just get it at its highest point, you know, what you've been taught, and just grab it and come down with it. So luckily I caught it and came down with it and 
Next thing you know, it's a touchdown. And then I got a headache. Michael Irvin beating me in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Shannon, here's, here's the rest of the story. So they're leading 14-7 at halftime. And they go in, they come back. And I don't know if that was Troy's last completion or not, but he, he hurt his knee. And remember, Burline had to come in and oh, finish yeah. the game. Right, yes. And they ended up hanging on. They went on to win 24-21. Mike caught the touchdown uh, on Daryl Green to, to kind of break him in the lead. And the funny thing was, and so this is, do the math, how many years ago? 27 years ago? Whew. Before the game <laughs> in the Sunday paper, I predicted the Cowboys were going to win 24-21, and Michael Irvin was going to be the big difference in the game, and Mike ended up catching like five, six, seven passes, had 100 yards on Daryl Green, right? Oh, yeah, that was, uh, that was amazing to watch because when, I'm, when I was running my routes and I knew I wasn't getting it, <laughs> I can kind of peek over there, and I was watching Mike just – do his thing on polo Daryl Green. I felt sorry for Daryl. <laughs> I they, mean, he and, was beating him up real bad. And with that win, they went on and won the five straight games, four more with Burline as the quarterback, uh, and then went into the playoffs and went to Chicago and won. No one, no one would have thought that they could go on the road and win. And cold. Uh, it was the yeah, it was cold. cold. So, see, Cowboys fans, there is still hope for the season. Eight, six, and five, and I think they had lost two in a row. He had lost a overtime game to Houston, if yeah. I remember correctly, and, and maybe the Giants beat you or somebody. But they they came on and and that play at the end of the half really kind of turn things around and alvin that was 27 years ago and that's the last time mickey's got a game prediction right yeah right so. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you sometimes you get lucky you know <laughs> danny you got another question for us i sure do guys this time it's from sarah from leonard texas hi there hey sarah hey. how are you doing so out of uh, the coaches that you've had, whether it be from, you know, the Redskins or the Cowboys, which coach was most influential to you? And what part of that influence did you take away that you incorporate into your own coaching? Oh, good one. Great question. Oh, uh, <clears throat> actually, actually, it's two coaches. Um, uh, Jimmy Johnson, you know, and, and everybody knows Jimmy Johnson was a dictator. And um, just being on time, that means you're late. If you're starting a meeting at 2 o'clock, you need to be there at 1.15 because you never know when he might show up, you know, and start the meeting. <laughs> and then, you know, if you're late, that's $5,000. You know, just, just those little things that incorporated in your everyday life skills, you know, you know, when you're trying to go somewhere, you make sure you're on time. And just doing the right things and, and, you know, and making sure that other people around you are doing the same thing that you have the same mindset as. And, um, and the other coaches are Norv Turner. And uh, when Norv was in the, um, up at uh, Redskins, and uh, I told him I was thinking about coaching too. And he said, just got to always remember that when you're coaching them, you, they're not you. So you can't expect them to high jump seven five. You can't expect them to be four three or four four guys. You have to coach each person accordingly, and that's what I learned from Norv when I was here in Dallas. Norv, Norv never called a play <clears throat> that he wasn't comfortable with you in or with or when you wasn't comfortable. Like I ran post, go route, and some comebacks, um, 
Norv never hardly ever called me with in route like slants like Michael. Michael Irvin was the dirty guy. He ran the in routes, the slants. Now, I could have ran those routes, but I didn't particularly prefer them because I was a big guy. You know, you got Ronnie Lott, you got mm, Dirty Waters, God bless the dead, um, you know, and those type of guys ready to knock you out. And um, so when I started coaching, I just make sure those guys knew that <clears throat> when we're practicing, we're practicing. You know, no BS. We're out here to do a, to, to do a job. We're out here to try to get better. And then on the other aspect, when I was looking at guys in the NFL Europe and, and at Howard University, I know some of them didn't have the skill set that I had, so I had to coach them accordingly to based on their skill set. I don't think that message got to Charles Haley when he was coaching. Oh, no, he no. He expected no. everybody to be, be as good as he was, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, well, that, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a, a great question. question. Yeah, it's a really good question. So, um, you know, Alvin was very fortunate when he got to the Cowboys, the 12th pick, I believe it was, in the first round. Yes. Uh, Russell Maryland was the number one pick. Norv Turner arrived, and this offense was struggling until Norv got here. And then he goes to Washington as the head coach, and then you end up there uh, eventually. Was, was he still there when you got there, or no? Was he? Yeah, Norv was there. He was there, yeah. right? So, uh, and and in his second year in the league, he, he's going to the Super Bowl. You must have thought this is just kind of the way life is in the National Football League. Uh, not exactly, because, you know, when, when I first got here now, <laughs> You you were you weren't even starting, right? No, I, no, I wasn't starting, and uh, I was, I was coming to a team that two years ago went yeah, one in fifteen. 15. <laughs> so, so when they drafted you, you go, oh no! But when they drafted me, I was like, oh man! You know, a lot of, a lot of cowboy fans probably don't know this. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers had the thirteenth pick, and growing up, I was a Steelers fan. Oh really? Yeah, and I already knew I was going to the Cowboys the night before because you know. They had called and, and, and worked everything out. And um, and coming here, I was like, man, I'm going to Roger Staubach. Man, I hate that dude. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, all my friends are Cowboy fans. I mean, everybody in my hometown is virtually almost Cowboy fans. And, you know, Roger the Dodger, the last two minutes of the game, here he goes again. Cowboys win. And they were pretty, pretty boys back then. You know, the Drew Pearsons, the Tony Dorsett's. You know, Roger the Dodger, you know, those guys. And, you know, you had the steel curtain. Right. They didn't talk about them. They were just dirty. Yeah. They just went about their business and, and won games. And I kind of gravitated to that. And, um, and then, lo and behold, I'm coming in. Cowboys draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take another break. I know last, last, before last break I said let's get into current-day Cowboys and current-day NFL. We'll do that when we come back. We're, this is the Dallas Cowboys Legends Radio Show. Brought to you by SWBC Mortgage. We will be right back with Alvin Harper. You are loyal. You bleed blue and silver. You even scream at your TV when it's game time. You're a football fan. And so are we. At SWBC, we're your biggest fan. Cheering you on for your next big win. From finding the right insurance options, buying a home, and even planning your financial future, we've got you covered. Call SWBC at 866-GET-SWBC, and together we'll build a game plan you can cheer about. Loan subject to credit and property approval. SWBC Mortgage, NMLS number 9741. 
Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Aikman's uh, play action fake, slips, gets up, throws a deep ball. Harper's all alone. Caught it at the five. Touchdown, Cowboys. Oh, what a throw. What a great throw. And Alvin Harper, who has not been hurt from all day, made the game-quenching play in San Francisco makes what looks to be the game-clinching play again. As Brad Sham said, Harper is all alone, but he's not all alone for the next, what, 12 or so minutes yeah. because he's stuck with me and you, Mickey. That's right, absolutely. We, Cowboys former wide receiver Elvin Harper joining us here he on is the Legends Show. in the beautiful Cowboys club at the Star. And what did we just hear, Mickey? What well, was that? that was Super Bowl twenty-seven, and I'll take you back. Uh, Cowboys were leading at the time 31-17, so they won the game 52-17, and everybody thinks it was a big blowout. Well, they uh, Buffalo ended up scoring a touchdown to get it to 31-17, and they actually had two more possessions uh, before uh, that particular play, but the Cowboys got it back. There was about 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It's first and 10. Uh, they had moved the ball to the Buffalo 45-yard uh, line, and they run a play action and this guy's on the uh, right side and you just smoke somebody on a deep route odom it was odom odom yeah you know certain th certain things you don't forget you, you remember those things i especially remember that because i was I, I i before we got the ball i was on the sideline and i was like livid because you were on the <laughs> sideline no i was the defense was on the field. I was, oh, livid. Oh, oh, oh. I was livid because they haven't even threw me a pass. <laughs> the first quarter, the second quarter. At 31 points, and you hadn't touched the ball I hadn't yet. touched the ball. And I'm like, and I'm like, I can't believe this. I done got these people to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, two playoff games. I got us to the Super Bowl. They get me to the Super Bowl. Now they want to throw it to the dynasty guys. Give it to Emmett, throw it to Troy. Mike I mean, already Mike, had two. Mike right? already caught two touchdowns. No, I think Novacek hadn't caught one down the middle. He got the first one. Yes. Emmett and had one. Emmett had one. And I'm like, little me and Moose again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, hey, looking for the crumbs. So, uh, real quick, I know uh, you got time. Uh, I was so livid on the sideline. So remember, I forget his name, and God bless me. Uh, the priest that used to come in from Miami, he was a priest for the uh, oh, you. Oh, Father. Uh, oh, yes, I know who you're talking about. So I'm I'm on the sideline acting like a stone cold fool, and I'm just throwing cuss words all over the place. So the priest comes up to me, he puts his hands on me, and he tries to console me, and I. Hey, I cussed the priest out. <laughs> I, I, I literally cussed the priest out. <laughs> and he, and he, he looked at me, and I, was, and I was like, just get away from me. I said, I can't believe he's doing me like this. He said, no, you're going to score a touchdown. You're going to score a touchdown. So we go out, and, it, and, uh, and I said, man, tell Norv to call 999 pump, man, so I can get in this end zone. So Troy, Troy come up and say, listen, Harp, we got 999 pump. So, yay. Make sure you get down the sideline and get an outside release because they were forcing us inside. So I said, man, I got to go outside because he's going to throw it to me regardless. So luckily, luckily, Novacek tucked the safety. And once he, once he saw Novacek coming, he come down. That's why I was so wide open because I beat the guy so bad at the line of scrimmage because they were playing like two-man, man underneath. So I beat him really bad, and, that, and next thing you know, I, I was gone. You know, and, and the funny thing is when I, I went back and just to make sure I remembered the play and I saw the – the highlight when Troy hit his last foot 
He almost slipped down. He almost slipped he really, down. He, he almost did. went down. And, and it was like, oh, look at that. And so you caught it, you scored, and what did you do? Oh, I had to put it over, dunk it over the goalpost. 7-5 high jumper went and spiked it over the goal, the, the crossbar. Did you start that? Were you the first one to do that? Yes. The Tony Gonzalez, they're giving him all the credit for <laughs> Like, please. I actually, I'm going to tell you who actually did it first. Mm -hmm. Hollywood Henderson did it first. Yes, he did. Really? He did it first on a kickoff or something. Uh, he got a fumble or something. And then when he did it, they said Tom Landry told him, he said, if you do that again, you're in the first thing out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the, that was it, person, right? Yes. What has changed? What is the biggest difference between when you guys played and, and the way the games played now? Other than the rules changes and things like that, is there is there a big difference between then and now? Oh yeah, um, the game is. You know, you got these guys that are bigger, faster, stronger, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's as tough as when we played. Yeah. Because you you know you you can't touch guys after five yards. You know, I wish I was playing now. With my size and, and the way I ran, mm -hmm. you can't touch me at the five yards. I have a billion yards. I, I, literally, I have a billion yards. Because you got guys now you've never heard of is catching 70, 80 passes a year mm -hmm. with 1,000 yards and five, six, seven touchdowns. And now you can go in the middle without any repercussions. You know, when we played, you know, like I said earlier, you got Ronnie Lott. You know, you got Steve Atwater. You know, you got guys sitting on the hash just dying for you to come in there so they can unload on you. Mm -hmm. Now you got safeties, you, they can't play the game because you, you're afraid they might get a $30,000 fine. You're going to get suspended. So they just like the other night when uh, we were watching it on, uh, on, on, I showed it to a guy, I went to a golf shop the other day. If you watch Smith on Marietta's last touchdown, if you watch him, he ran up to him and he was a, probably afraid to unload on him. He reached out and touched him. He reached out and tagged him Yeah. instead of going in and hitting him because you don't know what the quarterback is going to do, whether he's going to give himself up or he's going to slide. So now I, can't, now I can't go 1,000 miles an hour and hit him where I want to hit him. So I just think the, the, the toughness and, 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 you know, the rule changes have really made the, made the game, you know, flag football almost. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. And, you know, the, the thing about it uh, – when you were talking about, you know, not heard of, uh, in his playoff career, um, he caught 24 passes, get this, for 655 yards in the playoffs. Wow. You averaged 27.3 <laughs> a catch in the playoffs. Well, that's what I was telling Haley. <laughs> Listen, playoff time. They got on these shoulders right here. Yeah. yeah. They, got, they got on these shoulders playoff, and then they get to the Super Bowl, then they forget them. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. And then there's another game when you're talking about jumping up high and catching it, uh, the 94 Thanksgiving game. Yeah, a little Terrell Buckley flipped me. And, and Garrett had to come in and play. Remember, he, uh, oh, Troy yeah, was yeah. hurt. Yeah. Rodney Pete was hurt. And the funny thing was is Garrett had to start the game, and uh, Brill, his wife, says, Hey, don't worry about it. Just throw it up high, and Elvin will catch it. <laughs> yeah. And he, what did, how many did he throw to you? He, it was I, a bunch, two. right? I got two. Two, two touchdowns and some other and so some he's other your, passes. So he's your guy. Yeah, Jason's my guy. But I tell, <laughs> but I tell you what, a lot of people don't know. Uh, a little funny story, real fast. When we started that game, you know, Jason looked like he was a little nervous. Uh huh. And uh, Nate Nate Newton said, "Listen, Jason, just look in the huddle. You got an all-pro line. You got." 
two monsters on the outside. You got Novacek, you got Deuce Deuce back there, and you got the Moose. All you got to do is just don't fumble it from the center and just give it, to, just throw it up to somebody, and you're going to be okay. That's Elvin Harper, our guest on the Cowboys Legend Show here at the Cowboys Club. Thanks for Shannon for stepping in. Absolutely. Uh, Mickey Spagnuolo. Next week, Mean Joe Green is our Ooh. guest on the Cowboys yeah. Legend Show. See you then.